One of the core points of this study has been that Kelly and his work defy easy categorization. As an iconoclist who exerted an auteur-like clout, he transcended genre and medium conventions, melding the technical methods and narrative conventions of animation, political cartooning, and comic books. His role as a cultural creator was equally complex. Not content to quietly churn out a strip while holed up in a studio, Kelly led a high-profile public life, reveling in chalk talks, stump speeches, punditry, interviews, and vaudeville and variety shows. As a result of this border-defying creativity, his significance as a cultural icon has to be considered from several angles. This final chapter attempts that task. It moves beyond the narrow description of Kelly as a comic strip artist and considers his larger public significance as a politically engaged public intellectual, media-age raconteur, and popularist. The United States, unlike some European countries, lacks a rich tradition of celebrating erudite intellectuals and social critics as cultural superstars. Whereas academics, philosophers, and serious novelists are often given top billing on talk shows and treated like celebrities in countries such as France and Italy, they barely register on the cultural radar in this country. The United States has long preferred organic or folky intellectuals, figures such as Mark Twain, Will Rogers, or Garrison Keillor, whose self-deprecation, homey wit, and democratic worldview qualify them to opine about the foolishness of our collective values and practices. The lack of pretension in their critiques and use of vernacular speech reinforces their ideas as authentic, an outgrowth of folk wisdom, untamed by the jargon of academia, the partisan rhetoric of politicians, or the bland corporate speak of bureaucrats. Kelly fits nicely within this legacy as a self-taught intellectual who employed colloquial language, a playful wit, and a self-inspecting ideology to chide American readers. While Kelly's persona was drawn from this seemingly timeless American template, the values and ideologies articulated in his speeches and satire were in sync with a particular brand of Cold War liberalism grounded in existentialist ideas, and that aligned nicely with various anti-establishment ideals, such as those championed by early civil rights movement proponents, beat poets, rebel comedians, and folk revivalists. Historian Richard Pells nicely describes the foundational convictions of Cold War liberals such as Kelly. He suggests that the history of European and American societies in the early 20th century had disclosed the lethal consequences of utopian fixations and the dangers of any brand of extremism or fanaticism, including that of their fellow leftists. As a result, they were wary of messianic dogmas or apocalyptic thinking, and for them, ideology had become a dead end. They developed thus a preference for asking questions instead of inventing answers. Kelly's embrace of this worldview was directly reflected in the daily flow of multivocal comedy and drama in his fictional swamp, where pragmatic compromise was the operating philosophy, where sometimes humble silence was better than arrogant pontificating, and where the virtues of ethically and happily engaging in day-to-day -day living were the chief concerns. As in Voltaire's Candide, which also embraces a pragmatic pastoral ethic, at its conclusion, the characters in Pogo follow the modest ethic of bettering the world by cultivating their own garden, or in their case, fishing in their own swamp. Kelly's distaste for dogma, fanaticism, and their byproducts, scapegoating, rigid hierarchy, hypocrisy, etc., was also a reflection, perhaps, of the popularity of existentialism among mid-century liberal intellectuals. If one embraced the tenets of existentialism, that the concept of God is a fiction, 
or that Christians had irredeemably warped their God into a vindictive, divisive, and joy-crushing figure, and that there is largely no overarching set of truths that shape or rule mankind's existence, than a healthy skepticism towards authoritative institutions, dogmatic ideologies, and overly confident meta-narratives is in order. In addition, one might be compelled to respect the validity of a variety of ideological positions, given the subjective nature of perception and knowledge. In Kelly's case, this blanket skepticism toward dogmatic philosophical or religious systems fueled, most famously, his prolonged attacks on McCarthyism. But it also made him an equal opportunity satirist, ready to attack blinded stridency wherever it emerged. He attacked communist dogma, for example, in his cowbird sequence and took a swipe at the black Muslim movement in the United States in 1964 as well.